welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Revolution Church Minneapolis, uh, February 28th, uh, almost March. It's that one random month that has 28 days. I don't think there's any other month that that has 28 days besides February. Well, Amanda made a joke. They all do. Yes, they all do have 28 days, but ending of 28 days, which I only think is is uh, February, if I'm not mistaken. Hopefully everyone had a good week uh, this past week since we've been with you. Um, a lot of craziness happened in, in my life in the last week, so a little bit is what I'm going to talk about about that. Um, if anybody sees what the kind of what I have for the the tagline uh, for what we're talking about is the toxicity of purity culture. I know that's not kind of what we've been talking about the last number of weeks. You know, we've been sticking to you know Matthew, James, some other uh, portions of the scripture. Um, we'll use some scripture today, obviously, but this is kind of when I was thinking of a talk and some of the stuff that occurred. Uh, kind of in my life the last week, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring this to, you know, revolution today and talk. Because sometimes things that just happen in a person's own life and in, in kind of in their own orbit um, can do that. So, yeah, it might, I'm not going to apologize. I might get a little heavy, uh, but it, I think it's something that uh, a lot of us in the church, whether you were raised evangelical, whether you're mainline or even if you're um, atheistic or agnostic, I'm sure a lot of us can probably find some things here that um, that you can glean glean from. But before I do that, a lot of people obviously know what we do with Revolution. I do a lot of kind of um, comments. I do a lot of recommendations, things like that. One recommendation I want to do a complete, uh, a complete. I want to do a shout out for uh, is this amazing musician that uh, I stumbled upon. I've heard heard her name through a lot of other mus- um, a lot of other podcasts and stuff that I'm a part of. Um, but her name is Semler, and that's her middle name, but it's also her stage name. Uh, she is an acoustic kind of singer-songwriter. She kind of dabbles in other things, but kind of during the pandemic, she came up with this, I would say, beautifully haunting EP called Preacher's Kid. Yes, she is a preacher's kid. Um, Her dad was actually a pastor overseas in the Episcopal Church, but when they came back to preach here in the United States, she kind of got... uh, inundated with that evangelicalism and kind of like right-wing conservative Christianity. And it's, a lot of people have come against her of, of like, she's just angry. She's just mad. But I listened to her give an interview on Inglorious Pastors podcast where really what she's doing is, it's just like her diary or her journal that she's writing and taking from an essence and the first song is called Bethlehem kind of talking about her 
just her walk and and faith and her journey she still classifies herself as a christian um her one another song is called youth group which she actually thought was more of just like a funny joking song and um it was kind of all about sexuality and you know so many people want to have lock-ins and talk to their kids about God in the youth group, but really these students just come to understand their sexuality. So it's a very, it's, it's the name of the artist is Semler, S-E-M-L-E-R. The name of the EP is called Preacher's Kid. I highly, highly recommend it. I had it on repeat at work in my earbuds, probably for a good, you know, it's only about 20 minutes, but I've, I probably played it for like two straight hours and it just kind of haunted me. And the, the cool and crazy thing about it is, uh, she's openly queer, which is awesome, which is great. But her that album is number one on the contemporary Christian music chart. So just let that sink in. As someone who's openly queer, she's married to her wife, and her album is number one on on the charts in that contemporary Christian music world. So uh, I think it's kind of not ironic, but kind of funny at the same time um, that 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 that's going on. Um, not going to talk about the weather as I usually do. It's kind of funny, but, uh, it's a beautiful day. We've, after we've dealt, I guess I'll, I'll you know, I'm going to talk about weather cause I always do, but, um, yeah, it's snowing here a little bit today, but other than that, it's a beautiful day by Tuesday. It's supposed to be in the mid forties, almost 50. So any snow that we're getting today is going to melt. So hallelujah about that. Um, yeah. And then starting next week, this is our last week, uh, being here, um, at my own apartment at Casa de Odland. Um, we're going to be starting at least for the month of March because of everything with the pandemic. We're going to be at Bryant Lake Bowl. Um, so if people are local and want to check us out, um, that's where we'll be. And we're going to be doing three things in one. Um, yep. And Kate says she's been listening to that album all week. It's it's fantastic. I I can't I can't um give it enough, you know, enough uh I don't know, good things about it. It's just every song on there just slaps. It just kills it. Um so blow that up even more than than what it is. It's just a fantastic album. But yeah, so we're at Revolution or at Brian Lake Bowl, we're gonna be doing three things. We're gonna be doing this live stream. Um, for people who obviously can't be there in person and then we're going to be there for the people who can be there in person at Brian Lake Bowl. And then I'm also recording on my H6 recorder, which, so that's the audio that's going to be on there, which will eventually be up on our sacred collective feed, which is a podcast that I do, you know, it's just cheaper than getting another one for revolution. Um, so that'll, that'll happen. Um, starting next week and we'll see how long that goes hopefully everything um goes well i think amanda just uh, posted the site for where you can check out semler's music uh fantastic it's wonderful um but anyway enough about some little chit chat banter so i have it on here the toxicity of purity culture i I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to get it through everything I want to say today. Uh, so this might be part one. Next week might be part two. I'm not entirely sure. 
we'll just see how this goes. Um, I don't want to go super long today just because we have a revolution get-together here this afternoon in South Minneapolis that we want to uh, get to and make sure we have time to get there. But how how everything started with kind of making me think about wanting to do um, the toxicity of purity culture is I've, I'm on a lot of Facebook private groups, um, and I'm sure a lot of us who are watching or listening are probably in some groups, private or public. And I'm not. I'm going to be very um, anonymous with this because it's not important who the names are or where these institutions are or anything like that. But I was a part of this is group of uh, former college students of the school that I attended, and um, most of them are. Most of us have deconstructed. Most of us, if some of us are Christian, some of us aren't. Um, I'm, you know, cisgender, uh, but a lot of people in that group are queer. But there was this individual who spoke at the chapel service of the college that uh, both my wife and I attended. And so we attended years and years and years ago. But there's this uh, pretty, pretty um, well known person. Um, here in the Twin Cities and kind of in the youth circles. And he wrote a book. I don't even remember what it is. And like I said, it's going to be anonymous because it's, it's not about, I'm not, I'm not calling people out. I'm not lambasting them, putting them on blast because that's just not helpful to anything. Uh, but he has this book that he, he wrote all about sexual purity, sexual, um, kind of chastity kind of the purity culture of uh and in there's not a, a one overarching definition of what purity culture is but he would more or less i read snippets of this book kind of doing research watch snippets of videos that this this individual has out um and i'm not saying he's dumb he has an undergrad he has a master's degree uh in youth and developmental stuff, that's fine. But more or less, a lot of what this guy was trying to say, and my cats make a noise, but that's okay. Um, but what this individual was saying, in essence, is that if you're not a virgin by the time you become married, by the time you know you're at the altar with your spouse, then you're less than uh you're flawed you're uh you don't have everything to give to your spouse um and that's i'm i'm sorry that's just problematic to me that's just frustrating to me of of and and before i go any further i want to say this i am not at all advocating not for some sort of sexual ethic, sexual uh, morality that one might have, but I'm just saying there's not an overarching one. Uh, conservative Christianity will say that there's one. Progressive Christianity might say that there's one. Uh, somebody who might not even be a Christian or a faith follower might have their own. So that's more or less what I'm getting at is any pastor any christian any parent any grandparent any aunt or uncle 
when you're dealing with kids, youth, young adults who are understanding or trying to understand their sexuality, when they're trying to understand their own body, when they're trying to understand uh, all that, when you start, and I mean, just any of us who are watching, we've, as long as we're not teenagers or young adults, we, we understand what it was like to go through puberty. We understood whether you're a man or woman, what those feelings of horniness is. You understand what the feeling of these hormones are changing inside of me and however you react to that. Um, and the more and more I read up, up on this dude and more and more I read these videos, he has hundreds of kids you know, in these auditorium that he's speaking to and more or less just saying, oh, everything that culture has out there, all the music that you listen to, all the movies and TV shows that you listen to, they're just trying to tell you that, you know, having sex is cool and you can have sex with anybody you want and, you know, it's cool to be gay and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, I just got enraged with it because that brought up all these negative feelings that I had growing up. And, you know, Amanda and I traveled to to visit some family this weekend a little bit, and we had some time to talk. And, you know, I came to the realization, even in talking to Amanda, that I was like, as much as I think I'm over uh, the the toxicity that purity culture has— there's some still underlying crap that is stuck in my head. Um, not a lot, but maybe how I interact with people in conversations or maybe even talking to Amanda about sex or sexuality in our own life, I might be a little apprehensive or nervous because of how of how I you know how I was taught in the church of how I was taught in in youth group um and i will say this is more for my evangelical brothers and sisters i know a lot of people i was i've been a part of the ucc for about eight to nine years and they do a very 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 fantastic job of teaching kids from a younger age even through a young adult about um sexuality at at appropriate ages and i want to do a shout out for the ucc for that they do uh, a thing called owl which is an acronym uh, our whole lives and i never was a part of it but i saw the, like some of the um work that pastors have done through it so kudos to more progressive mainline denominations who are doing stuff with that that's incredible and very important work to do um, this is more or less for evangelicals and for a lot of us who have been through the evangelical mumbo jumbo, who have uh, seen the uh, hurt and struggle and some of us who are still dealing with the trauma. Anyway, so all that, that happened on Monday and I posted instead of, you know, spamming this guy's social media accounts even though I wanted to, um, I just, you know, with my own personal Facebook account, started, wrote a post, wrote a post about purity culture, wrote a post about me, why I got kicked out of my youth group, which I'll bring up. 
And, you know, some people will say I like to post controversial things on my personal Facebook. Yeah, sometimes I do. I'm not going to lie. It's my own personal Facebook site. You know, if someone doesn't like it, they can scroll on by whatever. Uh, I think it's funny that there's people that I have friends on Facebook who never wish me happy birthday, never wish my wife or my kid, you know, good things or uh, never say what's up, but they always come out of the woodwork. Um, I would say they're trolls if, uh, if they do that, but they always, whenever I write something that is so apparently against what they have, what they think is right or wrong, then they feel the necessity for, uh, for, for them to call me out, for them to say I'm wrong, for them to say, you know, whatever, which I'll get into a little bit in, in a little, in a couple minutes, but in essence, I wrote in the post how, you know, there's a local minister or not even a minister. He might be a pastor, but more of an educator who is going around kind of just still talking about purity culture, still talking about, uh, the, the craziness of what purity culture is. And this in in a nutshell, purity culture is you shouldn't have sex before you're married. If you do, God's mad at you. Uh, you shouldn't masturbate because you can't masturbate without thinking of someone uh, who you're attracted to. Um, masturbation is a sin. Uh, all these things, you know, A through Z when you can think about sexuality, all these things that could be considered negative that would kind of be in the whole basket of, of purity culture. Um, a lot of with purity culture too is like young men and women can't be pretty much in the same room unless there's, you know, a, a youth leader or youth minister there, uh, because apparently teenagers can't be in the same room with the opposite gender or else they're going to have sex or do some sort of sexual thing. And then I wrote um, how I believe, and people can push back, this is fine, this is just my own personal view, is that a lot, not a lot, most of Scripture, and I'm not, I'm not going to go through specifics of everything, but I feel a lot of Scripture is very patriarchal, very misogynistic. Um, I know that I have dear friends of mine who would disagree, and that's fine, That that's great. As Jay says, we can argue well about that, but... Just when I read through scripture in the context and the hermeneutical lens um, that I was taught how to read scripture in a contextual way is, you know, the scripture was written by men for specific reasons, for specific purposes. It could have been written to a certain town, a certain village, a certain tribe of people, so on and so forth. And... But you look at a lot of stories in there, and it was always the men, the men, the men, the men. And very, I mean, yes, you have places in the Old Testament where it's like Deborah was a judge. Um, you have stories of Mary Magdalene. You have stories of Martha and Ruth. So I'm not saying that the Bible is void of women doing great things, but by and large, uh, it would be like 95% male-dominated, 5% female-dominated. And that's just my own personal, I guess, critique or understanding. <clears throat> but in there, I was just saying 
when people preach this purity culture kind of ethic, and that's what it is, it's not a, it's not this biblically based thing. It's their ethic that they go into scripture and say, "Oh, see, this is how how it is in scripture." And Al more or less was saying, "Don't say that it's a, a Christian." way of interpreting it's saying it's your way of like it's your way of interpreting scripture so you're saying that someone who isn't married shouldn't have sex well because the bible says so well yeah you can cherry pick that portion out of scripture that says it and say well see it says it right here and i just got into a conversation with one of my coworkers who's really not a christian with his own volition and i was like every Every kind of branch of Christianity, we cherry pick. Progressives and liberals, we cherry pick portions of Scripture to make us feel better about what we believe. Evangelicals, conservative Christians, we cherry pick to to make the Bible formulate into what we want to say. And I can say that because I've been on both sides. I was raised evangelical. I was raised conservative. And then I've also, in the last number of years of my own choosing, have been more mainline progressive. And they do it as well. So this isn't a finger pointing to, like, one group saying, oh, you do it and these other people don't. We all do. Uh, fight me on that <laughs> if you want to. But that's just that's just reality. Um, but... I got a lot of I, – I didn't get a lot of feedback. There were some – I took the post down the other day just because it got toxic. There were certain former people that I know I would say that I uh, hung out with years ago accused me of all these things, accused me of really harsh, harsh things that I'm not even going to give two breaths worth on this. Um But also it was funny. I posted on Facebook that I was called a Satan preacher. I was – I was – I'm I'm a drunkard. Uh, I'm I deal with stuff of purity culture because I'm overweight and I'm fat and all that stuff. I took it down because it just was not even a, a it wasn't a, a good debate. It wasn't a good conversation. It just turned into mudslinging, turned into finger pointing, and that's that's not what I want to do at Revolution. That's not what I want to do in my own life. That's not anything I want family and friends to see. I'm all about uh, arguing well with someone. I'm all about debate and disagreements. But when it comes to mudslinging, I, I don't have time for that. One of the things that I wanted to bring up here, and I'm going to be very transparent because, as I've said numerous times before, is in the one thing, well, many things that my parents had taught me is, Telling people about your own past isn't – I'm not doing it to get a pat on the back. I'm not doing it to get a feather in my cap. I'm not doing it for that, but I'm doing it because transparency is huge. I'm doing it because uh, maybe what I say, if one or two other people can find um, some sort of uh, way to get through their trauma or way to get through their grief – then 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 it's helpful so i thank you to my parents who who raised me with that that kind of um mindset so one thing like i said in the post of uh why i got kicked out of my youth group my assemblies of god youth group was every year uh around around this time around valentine's day um sometimes it's different different times i think i was in my junior year 
maybe I was in my senior year. I don't really remember so long ago. Um, we had this like, I don't know, kind of like a lock in on a, on a weekend where the girls would go to the youth pastor's wife's house and all these, like the female youth leaders and they would do, do, I don't even know what they would do. They would just go there, have some time. Then they would have like a lock in at their house. Well, the men had it at, at the church where we were a part of. And while we were there, it was, of course, what are they going to do? Like we played video games. We had like a pool and ping pong table. We played games. Of course, we got hopped up on Mountain Dew and Coke and stuff like that. Had pizza, whatever, all the fun stuff. And then Saturday, you know, it was like this all day event. We got done at like four or five. But for some apparent reason, they thought that we should, you know, just kind of have this sex sex talk sexuality it was kind of like it wasn't just based on that but it was kind of like hey anybody have anything they want to talk about you know everything's fair game everything's on the table it's kind of like real guy talk real man talk um and i remember that they wanted us to bring friends uh well the friends from school friends from our neighborhood with the caveat that you know whether they're Christian or not, they kind of wanted it not to be Christians because it was this was like everything was like a ministry and and conversion quote unquote experience. And I remember this one guy, this one kid who I had never met. It was like someone that I knew in the youth group invited this kid, and so this kid was I don't know probably a freshman, maybe a sophomore in high school, not too much younger than myself at the time. But I remember him saying of how he um how he didn't think masturbation was wrong he was like i don't know if someone in his family was like a doctor or a nurse or something and he more or less was saying you know i don't want to have sex with my girlfriend i don't want to look at porn i don't want to be a sexually kind of promiscuous person which everyone was like yeah kudos kudos is great for you but then he's like but masturbation um, is I feel like one of those things where it's normal. If God didn't want us to have those feelings or those desires, why would he put it in, in, in our body? Why would he make this feel good? And then I remember, of course, the youth pastor and all the youth leaders were pouncing, not, not, not being mad at the kid, but kind of trying to tell this kid the airs of his ways, the airs of his kind of thinking, and or more or less being like, oh, man, you know, like your body is a temple of the Lord and you can't masturbate without sinning. You can't masturbate without lusting. You can't masturbate for this, this, this and this way. And I don't know, everyone, what just what broke inside of me at that time. And I was in a polite way and I, I raised my hand and I remember just looking at my youth pastor and I was trying to do it in a very respectful way. I was, but I looked at him and I said, you know, that that's wrong. You know, what you just said is wrong. And he was like, what? And I was like, masturbation is not a sin. Masturbation is a normal biological thing that is in all of us as a human being. You know, I was like, could, could masturbation become anything? Could could anything become an addiction? If you're a teenager and you're masturbating 30 times a day. Yeah, that's an addiction. You know, if you're masturbating once a day, okay, cool. If you're masturbating 15 times a day, yeah, that's an addiction. But you're trying to understand your body. You're coming into this different part of of 
of who you are. And I can remember vividly when when my body was changing and when I if I touched myself, it felt good or touched myself in certain areas. And because I was taught in the evangelical world to hate my body in a way, not hate my body is like, yes, like God gave me, you know, two hands and two feet. He gave me a mouth. He gave me a brain, not to be ashamed of that way, but anything that was remotely sexual, anything, uh, that, that I saw a cute girl in school and I got this like butterfly feeling in my, in my chest or, I I thought she was really cute and I noticed her anatomy then automatically then that I was sinning but in reality you talk to any doctor you talk to any psychologist any neuroscientist they're going to say no your body was doing what it's supposed to do you were a young man coming in through puberty who is a straight male and the biological thing is your brain and your body was starting to say I'm attracted to women I not knowing that I'm not going to marry them, knowing whatever, but just this normal normalcy of me being attracted to that other person or to that other uh, race, other gender. And after I had said this to my youth youth pastor of like, no, it's not, you know, not wrong. I remember him bringing me over to the side and kind of just, asking me why I said what I said, if I really believed in it, if I really, uh, really believed what I was saying. And I remember saying, yeah, I really do believe what I'm saying. And I was like, I've sat in this youth group for five, six years at that time, since like a seventh grader. And year after year, I heard this kind of damning of people and their bodies you know these young men and women as as i was back then being told that their body is not their own that anytime they do something whether in the privacy of their own home or in their own own mind making their own decision that they were less than that god was mad at them that god god could not bless them god uh that if you made out with a girl, if you were a boy or vice versa, or you touched yourself or whatever, that somehow God was going to treat you less than. And you guys have known, uh, I've preached a couple sermons now where Jesus never, ever wants you to think that you're less than, that you're below anybody else, that we're, we're all in this evil or even playing field. And it really was problematic for me. And I remember at the end of that conversation with that youth pastor, he more or less looked at me and was like, well, if this is what you feel, we're not saying that you can't feel that way. We think you're wrong. We think, you know, whatever. But if this is the kind of attitude you're going to have, then you're not welcome back in our youth group anymore. And it was funny because a number of months later, three, four, five months later, I kept, I got, uh, email correspondence i would still go to church um there as much as i could not the youth group and i would still have people come up to me and ask me hey you know where are you why haven't you come to youth group and i'm like well let the youth pastor tell you i'm you know this is this is on him and i will say over the years i've never talked with this youth pastor about it and 
I'm not bitter. I'm not angry about it anymore because that was, I mean, shoot, I was 16 years old, 17, and I'm almost 38. So there's many, many, many years that have went through that. But I can remember and recollect that because that was real, you know, and I know that's probably, that's my story, that's my experience, and I know other people have probably had way more traumatic experiences than me. Um, and I know people have had way more traumatic experiences than me because people have told me about their experiences and I just, you know, shake my head. Um, and also, I was actually talking to one of my coworkers the other day about this. And for a while in his life, he was raised evangelical, doesn't really go to church or anything anymore. But and we have some really good conversations on our downtime at work. And I remember saying to him, I was like, do you know what? I was like, I can remember for about a two-year swath of time in my life, in my teenagers, probably when I was 15, maybe close to 17, where I said every single time that I masturbated, and wasn't every day, it was probably here and there sporadically, because I was understanding who I was as a as a young man, but I said because and I said this is not on my parents who my parents told me to love my body. My parents told me taught me great things about sexuality. So and I've said kudos to my mom and when my dad was still alive, you know, always told them that you guys raised me with positive self worth. You raised me with a good sexual ethic. This was more for the church and how I was raised. And, but I was telling my coworker, I said, every time that I masturbated, I said, after I finished the deed cleaned up, I said, I would lock myself into my room. And I said, I would bust down crying because I thought I was a terrible person. I thought what I was doing was inappropriate, was evil, was nasty, that I was somehow through the vessel of my body defiling who God is or what God's message was, or defiling my potential spouse. That when I go to my spouse and I said, oh, hey, you know, I masturbated a whole bunch when I was younger, that therefore that my spouse was going to look at me as some sex-crazed pervert or some sort of uh, sex, you know, addict. And it just, it just was so hard. And so, and, and, and this individual looked at me and he was like, you too? He was like, I thought I was the only one who went through that. And I kind of, I know through COVID and everything, but I, it was at that moment where me and this other guy went through the same exact thing. And I kind of gave him a side hug and I said, I'm sorry, you know, it's COVID and everything. But I said, this was this moment that we shared. And I said, and how sad was it? How sad was it? And... Another thing, like I had, I've joked with Amanda about this. I've, I've joked with some of you know family about this. But I kid you not, this is the toxicity of purity culture. I remember um, the elementary school that I went to growing up from first to or kindergarten through sixth grade. It was literally right across the street from from where I grew up. I could just literally walk across the street and go walk into this school. And I remember not all the time, but certain times. 
If anybody knows who my grandma is, she was very hellfire brimstone. She was like, oh, the you know, the end of the world is nigh. Jesus is coming back. You know, get ready. All this stuff. Um, and I remember her, you know, I remember even as like 13, 14 year old being like, well, I don't want Jesus to come back and rapture his church until I have sex. Because I want to experience, as I've been told my whole life by my parents, by my grandparents, by cousins who are much older than me who are married, that this is like the greatest thing that you can ever experience, like greatest feeling, greatest tie that you can experience. So as maybe I wasn't even 13 or 14, I was probably like 10 or 11 or 12, probably started puberty more earlier than other people. And I remember even not understanding fully what sex or sexuality might be saying to like my saying to myself through prayer, saying to God, like, God, I don't want you to come back until I have sex. And that stuck with me. And I remember the first time I had sex as a 17 year old, when my girlfriend left and, or wherever we were at, and then going into my room, and instead of crying, I kind of just was giggly. I was kind of excited, and I remember saying to God, you know what, you can return now because I've had sex. I've experienced this this thing, this this awesome feeling. And that is going back, everyone, to what this toxicity of purity culture is. It's telling you to look at your body as the only thing that you're good at is the only thing that God judges you on is, is your sex organs, your sexuality, what you do with them. If you play with them, if, if you let someone else play with them, if you have sex before you're married, if you, um, whatever, whatever it is. And one thing I said in the post was that, and this is, I got flack for, it's not the church's, job it's not the church's business to tell you who you sleep with it's your it's your it that's a that's between you and god or if you believe in god and that's between you yourself and i you know meaning you're autonomous person yes my parents had sex to have me to for me to be here all of us as people our parents had sex for us to be here and as you get older there's things your parents, you know, they raise you the best that they can, but you get to a certain age, it's like, okay, you can make this decision on your own. You can make this decision on your own. You can make this decision on your own. And then eventually you get to 18, whatever, whatever you, you know, you're an adult and you leave, you leave your father and mother, which, hey, is quite biblical, leaving your father and your mother, where you start making these other, other decisions. But it so happens so often in the evangelical world Hey, you know, you can't make, apparently you can't make the decision at who you want to sleep with. That That's the church's job. Oh, if you want to have, you know, let's say you're gay uh, and you want to have sex with somebody of the same gender because that's who you're attracted to. A lot of people in the church is going to be like, well, it's cool that you're, you know, you're, you understand your sexuality and all that stuff. But, you know, because the way we interpret scripture that that this is wrong or you know god loves you but he hates the sin that you're doing you a lot of us have heard that a lot of us were taught that and especially people who are part of this community who are queer know the toxicity even in that theology and that understanding but and i got pushed back and i know 
a lot of my family and friends who are conservative evangelical, you're probably just pulling your hair out to be like, Brian, you're so wrong. You're so misguided. That's fine. You can say that about me, but I'm talking about my own personal experience. I'm talking about my own uh, frustrations with purity culture because I thought I had no issue with that anymore, meaning I thought I didn't let it take residence up in my head, in my mind. And when Amanda and I were driving this weekend, I kind of got this solemn understanding of, of I thought I was over this. I thought I didn't let that have any headspace in, in my brain, but it still does. And when, I, and, and when I hear other people like my coworker to be like, hey, I did the same thing. Like when I masturbated, I went to the other room after I was done and cried and wailed because I was this terrible, nasty person. And my biggest critique, one of my biggest critiques on the evangelical world, and I know there's a ton of great people in the evangelical world, so that's I am not poo-pooing on everyone in that. So don't think for a second that I'm accusatory to to everyone in this kind of strain of Christianity. I'm not. It's more of a critique of saying if you are that kind of person who preaches this kind of purity culture ethic, stop doing that because you are hurting people. You can have your own sexual ethic. You can have your own sexual view of morality and purity. That's you. You have it. You live it. And if that's what you want to do, do it. I'm not, I'm not telling you that you can't do that. What I'm saying is if you have a platform, a platform not like this, but a platform that you speak to thousands of people, uh, a platform when you're a published author and your books can be mailed all over the world, when you're speaking to youth groups and you're speaking at, at conventions and you're telling young men and women that their body isn't theirs, that their body is God's, and how therefore you whatever you do with your body, God's kind of up there with a checklist being like, oh, Brian, you know, you thought about so-and-so when you were 13, and then you masturbated. Oh, and then you, you might have kissed this girl who's not your wife. That's the kind of mentality that, unfortunately, you get out of purity culture. And then when you go finally maybe meet someone that you're very, very attracted to, that you're very that you're like in the whole and one thing that my parents always taught me was the point of dating someone isn't necessarily to uh, to have sex with them it could be but part point of the part of dating is could could this be a potential person that I could mate with could this be a potential person that I marry could this potential person be that person that I want to be with and so yes you know kissing them, holding their hand, rubbing their back, show, sharing some intimate time with people is a normal thing. And I was, and like I said, this isn't, this isn't my parents. My parents were very, very forthright and very open talking about sexuality, talking about uh, sex, all that stuff. But this was more of the way I was raised in the church, which caused me so much self-doubt, self negative self-worth self-body image i mean i i i struggled i've struggled with weight my whole life one person in this post was saying that the reason i had self-body bad negative self-body worth is because i was fat and overweight 
which that person doesn't know. I I was diagnosed like five years ago with a thyroid condition that my doctor said I probably had since I was born. And my family, my other doctors never knew about that. It's because my chemical in my thyroid was off, was telling my brain I was hungry really when my stomach wasn't hungry. And so I've always struggled with this thing of uh, of eating. So to that person I know that doesn't watch this, you he was saying negative and horrible things about my weight but not knowing that I have a disease, I have a, a condition that was misdiagnosed or not diagnosed and that caused me to even to this day sometimes when the medicine doesn't work right to have really crazy uh, swings of, of when I'm hungry or when I'm not. And I could talk all day about this, uh, about purity culture, but it just, it, it hurts so bad, everyone, the, this understanding of purity culture. And maybe here in, in one of these upcoming weeks, I'll, ha- I'll turn it over to Amanda to talk if she wants to, because I've experienced this as a man, but Amanda as a woman and how she was taught in she was raised in the same tradition it's even worse it's so much worse and how women are villainized how women oh you show a bra strap oh you're causing someone to sin I remember at the AG youth camp that I was at at uh here in Minnesota they gave us a list of like do's and don'ts like what you can bring or what not to bring and women were and this was enforced that a, a girl, a young teenage woman, could not wear a two-piece swimsuit. They could only wear a one-piece because they said, you're causing your young brothers in the Lord to stumble. Because So instantly saying, because of the way you are dressing, which is going swimming, which is a normal thing that everyone does, that you're going to cause that person to sin, to sin, a stumble, which what they were doing is saying, you're just like a man can't look at a woman without sexually objectifying her. And that we as men, anytime we see a skimpy woman in an outfit, that means we, we lost. That means we have to masturbate. That means we have to have sex with them. So even back then, you can just see how toxic this is. And may, and, and maybe not next week. Cause that'll be our first week coming into, to revolution at Brian like bull, but I am going to turn it over to Amanda because of her of her stories what she's told me which just had made me shake my head in sadness and make me shake my head and just in sorrow uh with that so what i'm trying to say is if you have your own personal sexual ethic and you want to live by that and you want to raise your kid in that that's on you that's 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 you do you um and what somebody had said on this post, a positive comment on this post, is someone who's known me for years was like, before you bring out the pitchforks for Brian, Brian's not trying to say not to have a sexual ethic or to have a sexual morality. What he's saying is that there's some sexual ethics, some sexual morals that should not be accepted. And purity culture is one of them. I find it also interesting that one of the big, big, big people in purity culture when I was growing up was this author named Joshua Harris. He was not a person that much older than me, maybe four or five years older than me. 
He wrote the book I Kissed Dating Goodbye, which is a heap of garbage. Um, and in it, he went back to like, oh, well, you should court your you should court your girlfriend or boyfriend, meaning not really go on dates with them, like have have the girl's parents go with you, not hold hands, not kiss. The only time you, the first time you kiss your your spouse is when you get married at the altar, you know, all this stuff. And then he wrote a, I think his wife wrote a book like from the wife's perspective and all this stuff. You fast forward, and I don't know if it was in 2020 or maybe 2019, this bombshell came out where Joshua Harris came out and he said, not only was I Kiss Dating Goodbye a bunch of garbage, um, I don't believe in that anymore. Um, not only does he not believe in that, is he's an atheist now and him and his wife got divorced. Because of they didn't know each other. They they lived this life of like, this is what the church wanted us to do. And he said, yeah, I, I just wrote this as a young man. And then I had all these Christian publishers coming after me. And then I had churches wanting me to speak and do all this stuff. And then he got to a, be about 40 years old and said it was all a bunch of crap. Like, I I married my wife. And, of course, I'm paraphrasing this article he wrote. But he more or less came out on social media platforms. He's like, I'm not a Christian anymore. Uh, the church did this to me. I don't even know who my wife is. We don't know who, who we are by ourselves because it was just this whole sexual purity, this whole sexual ethic that we didn't even understand. We didn't even know who we were as our own selves before we got married. And then all these years later, they everything ends up in, in, you know, going off the rails because of going back to this negative, toxic, sexual purity stuff. And I always, I've, I've joked with my mom before and I've joked with Amanda before. I said, I think the church tells people they don't, that you shouldn't have sex. You shouldn't have sex before you're married or do whatever, because that's the one thing that they can control. And I don't care what people say. The one thing that church loves to do is to control the narrative. If, if a church can, or a denomination can control the narrative, they control what all those people who are in part of that church or denomination thinks, acts, says, how they interpret the Bible. So you're having these young men and women be brought up in the youth group, having these youth pastors say this, 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 or this. And then they get out to be in their early 20s, mid-20s. And then when it comes to about sexuality, they have literally no idea who they are as a person. They have no idea how to function in a normal relationship whether a heterosexual or homosexual relationship, because they were told, you know, I am not anything without my sexuality or that God, God, if I'm impure or whatever. And so what I'm trying to say is we're, we all have our things that we maybe are not proud of, of things that we've done in our life, maybe on the realm of sexuality or, or promiscuity or whatever. But what I'm trying to say is, do not teach ta uh, purity culture. If you have a sex ethic, sit down, talk talk with a counselor, talk with a therapist, talk with a pastor, talk with uh, a health professional, because health professionals are going to know a lot more about sexuality than your pastor who maybe got a bachelor's degree in Bible or maybe somebody who has their MDiv. You know, last time I checked, I went through seminary. They never really talked to you about sexuality 
and and any of that stuff. They may be glossed over it, but it is what it is. Um, and before I read some scripture that kind of backed this up, I think about judging and all this stuff. Um, is you? It is not the church's business, and it's not the church's responsibility to tell you who you are as a person in regards to your own body, regards to your sexuality, in regards to who you feel love or attraction to. It's not. Because as I tell the people all the time, we're humans. We all we all have our own issues. We all have our secrets. We all have our misgivings. But that is one thing I will say. It is not. It is not any job any church's job to tell me if, you know, as a married man, if I can sleep with my wife or not. It is not the job, church's job to tell me as a 15-year-old if I want to masturbate that I can't masturbate because that made me going into being a young man into college when I started really, you know, dating for wanting to find a mate it made me realize and question so many things about not my sexuality of if if you know i knew i always knew i was attracted to women so i knew i was heterosexual but it made me question like okay if i really like this girl and i'm attracted to her and i want to kiss her or hold her hand is that wrong is that bad if i potentially want to have sex with her well then i'm going to go into the lake of fire and burn with all the with satan and all the demons because I'm I'm perverted. That's the whole thing I'm trying to tell tell you guys about is that that toxic understanding of purity culture and then slapping the Bible on it and then saying, "Oh, see how it says right here cherry picking. Oh, it says don't be sexually immoral. It says this and this and this." Well, you know what? I'm sorry. The Bible is not the greatest book to go to about sexual purity or sexual morality. Uh, because there's a whole lot of sexual immorality in the Bible. There's a whole bunch of sexual stuff that we would look at now in our 21st century context and be like, hmm, okay, there's Christians talking about sexual purity, and look at all the shit that's happening here in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. So I could go on and on, but two script, it would be I would be a bad pastor if I didn't use Scripture. Matthew 7, 2 says it, it, paraphrasing it simply says this Matthew 7 2 implies that one who judges will them themselves be judged if you impose those standards upon others those same standards will be applied to you Ephesians four twenty nine. let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only such as it is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear that doesn't strictly talk about sexuality and sex, but it's more or less saying, don't judge people. Don't be, watch what comes out of your mouth. If if I was that youth pastor who said that to me, I would go back to those verses and be like, okay, I got to be careful. I might disagree with, with Brian and what he said, but is everything that comes out of my mouth about sexuality and about sex, sex ethics is it appropriate? Is it right? Is what the church is saying? Or is it because I want to keep my job? Is it going to be edifying to Brian? Is it going to be uh, damning and hurtful? He, he wasn't thinking about that. And most people who are preaching this kind of sexual 
uh, purity. I'm not even going to say sexual ethic, but uh, a purity culture. They're they're not looking at the judgmentalism that's coming out of. So looking back at Matthew seven, when you when you judge someone because maybe they had sex or maybe they're masturbating, it's like okay then that means those people are going to come back to you and say, you've never did this. You never had sex before you were married. You never did this. And then if the pastor's like, well, yeah, yeah, I did. Then it's like, then stop judging me for that. Or in Ephesians, it's like, watch what comes out of your mouth. And if it's not something that's edifying and it's not something that builds people up, it's not something that gives grace to someone, maybe not say it. And one of the old sayings and saying it best, and my parents always said it to me too, if you don't have something nice to say to someone, don't say it at all. And I live by that. I, I Sometimes I fail. I will be the first one to tell you. Sometimes if someone berates me, sometimes if someone makes me, this person called me out this week, said I was fat, I was an alcoholic, said that I don't take care of my body, which I think we could all take care of our bodies more, that made me go through this self worth issue again and made me hate my body made me realize oh should i not have that extra diet pepsi today or should i not have that burger and fries um and i didn't handle it in the the greatest way and i can say that in hindsight but also i probably didn't say the greatest things on that comment that's why i took everything down but what i'm trying to say is let's not judge people we, we can't judge each other, and I don't want this to be accusatory to, to people who have their own sexual ethics. But what I'm saying is don't preach a purity culture type of message because that destroys people. That, that we're going back when I was a teenager, I was young. I was impressionable. I was going to these men and women who were teaching me this stuff saying, hey, they went to college. Some of them went to seminary. I want them to tell me these good things. And then when I got out of their teaching and realized, man, I hate my body. I hate my sexual, my feelings about my own sexual desires and, and, and issues. And it made me look at relationships terrible. It made me uh, think that my girlfriends were cheating on me or, or whatever because of all the sexual, bad sexual teaching. So if you have, you create your own sexual ethic, great. If you create your own sexual morality that's fine but people in the church especially as i'm saying especially in the evangelical world you want to know why a lot of people are leaving your churches it's not because they don't love jesus it's not because they don't care about god it's not that they don't want to have community is because you're not accepting them in the same way that they know god accepts them and a lot of times it comes down to sexuality it comes down to sexual what they think is pure impure and that's just not right um it's almost at an hour i want i think that there's a several questions so i want amanda to see what those are i'm going to flip the mic over to you all right yes we do have several great comments on here i will pull them up one second so yes, Kate had said she had been listening to that album all this week as well, um, and I did put a link on there, so I will be checking that out as well. And then I commented that the church has taught us that our bodies or anything you know, in the flesh was essentially shameful, but to magically not feel that way 
in the, the moment we got married because our bodies and sexuality were no longer off limits, which that was very confusing, very made you feel very shameful about your, about your own body and almost like you weren't allowed to ask any questions. Uh, and then I also commented, and also that girls were in charge of boys' behavior in response to our bodies. It was very damaging. Like Brian said, the whole uh, comment about swimsuits. And he was even referring to the tank top ones where you can literally see half an inch of your midsection, and that was it. But and I and I get that you don't want to have girls in bikinis and you have, you know, a bunch of teenage boys and girls, you know, all together and trying to figure out how to, you know, keep them separate and everything. That's not what it's referring to. It's referring to girls feeling like they are responsible for men's actions and that if bad things happen to them, it's because of how they dress, which that is a whole nother topic. But it also states that that boys can't control their urges and they're not responsible for how they react. And by by the church doing that, you're not you're not controlling or limiting their sexuality. You know, you're forcing and sexualizing something that's not sexual at all. Uh, and so Kate also commented, yes, that was very damaging. Thank goodness our daughters can learn differently. Uh, and then I responded back to her, you know, absolutely, they can learn differently. And we're already teaching our almost four-year-old daughter, you know, teaching her if she has questions about anything with her body, not saying, thinking, oh, she's too young to learn about her own body because she's not, and she knows that her body is her own. She has control of her own body, and sometimes I'll even go to pick her up. And, you know, when you're holding, you know, your kid, your toddler baby, you might have your hand, like, under their butt. And she'll be like, Mommy, don't touch my butt, please. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's your body. How about I, I kind of grab your legs at the bottom? She says, yes, that's okay. So learning about your bodies and consent, you are never too young to learn that. Uh, and then we also have a comment from Scotty. The mistake that conservative evangelicalism made with our generation was that it taught us to look up to, quote-unquote, Christian culture instead of Christ himself. Mm. Well, that is very well said. So, yes. Is that it? All the comments? Awesome. So, as you can see, a lot of, a lot of feedback, a lot of comments on it. Um, I'm, I'm still questioning whether I'm going to talk more about this next week um, when we kind of meet at Revolution and in it at Brian Lick Bowl. But yeah, I mean, purity culture, I feel like being outside the evangelical world for so many years, like I have been, that I just kind of tuned my head off, my brain off into it and was like, yeah, that's not a thing anymore. But in reality, it is a thing and it's very strong and it's never went away. Um, it's just I was not around people, around a denomination that really talked about anything like that. So, you know, like I said, thanks for all the comments, all the feedback with it. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to do part two next week, get a little deeper into it. Um, I'm not really going to say anything more to that. I think those those uh, questions summed up a lot of what was going on 
Last thing I'll say is if you like what we're doing, as always, uh, share this post on Facebook or any of your socials. Um, we're all about networking. If this conversation you think you think that someone might like this or someone might gravitate towards what we're saying, please share us. Uh, we can't do this without your love and support and kind words. So, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing. I can see that we're slowly growing week by week, and that means the world to me and Amanda and to everyone who's a part of this community. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Everyone have a safe and productive week. And until next time, bye.